0: Tonight I want to talk about what is coming up in our student ministry. This, this uh, kickoff is always an opportunity for us to look forward into what um, God is going to do next. And, um, and we don't believe God is, is ever done till he comes back. And so um, we're just going to keep on moving forward. And we're going to keep on believing for, for bigger and better things. And more people reached and, and more students coming to know Jesus. And, and more people uh, being pointed to Jesus on mission trips and all that. And so we're so excited about what is coming up this year um, in, in Beach Student Ministries. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight because we have an opportunity as a ministry. And, and it's very important that our students and our leaders and our volunteers and our staff and, and our parents and our families are all on board with it. Um, and here's, here's kind of our opportunity. God has brought us a ton of students, God has brought us students from all over the beaches and all over the surrounding areas and um, and, and we 're seeing so many uh, students come and be a part of United and of life groups and of our mission trips and all that kind of stuff and, and God has given us um, an amazing staff, an amazing team um, he 's given us amazing, amazing volunteers we have thirty six life group leaders who are all like amazing and, and like we could not do what we do without them. Um, and we have, uh, we have uh, resources that God has blessed us with. And, and, and overall, God's just really, right now, uh, given us a platform and given us a, an influence in our community. And so we have some choices to make because of how many people are coming and being a part of Beach Students. And just to get a taste of what happened last year, last year we saw 60 students Uh, Make a decision to follow Jesus, either for the first time or, or for a second time, a recommitment. And just so you have a little bit of background on that number, that is the number of people that actually, like, get up from their seats, go to the back room, give us the information, follow up with us, have a conversation. And so we know that number's a lot higher, but those are the students that were willing to get up and, and, and make, uh, kind of make a, a contact with us. Um, we had 38 of our students uh, just this past summer, and then uh, right after Epworth last year, 38 of our students and adult leaders baptized, which is an amazing thing. Um, we saw. Uh, Last year, 150 new students come into the life of United, and just so you know uh, about that number as well, that's the number who actually come and give us a contact card, and so I know, because uh, I know teenagers, that not all of them are like filling out a card and bringing it to the back um, to connect with us, and so that, we believe that number is probably more like 200, 250 new students coming in to the life of our ministry, and, um, and so really our ministry, the way it kind of stands right now, is at a breaking point, it's at a breaking point, it's so much at a breaking point, like, that the last three weeks of United um, we average 225 people a week at United. And just so you have a little bit of background of that number, um, the, like the most we've ever had at a United before, um, like at one week of United before, uh, before kickoff was like 200 or just over 200. And so we've been averaging far more than that. We've been seeing all kinds of new students come in, a bunch of new sixth graders, which are pumped about. And, and so like it's just been, uh, there's a lot happening. There's a lot going on. And, um, and so we have to make a choice because we are at a breaking point. We can't continue to do ministry the way we've done it if we want to keep reaching more students, if we want to be able to reach the students we already have. And so last year, we, we started doing a few things. Last year, we, for the first time, we split a life group. And so uh, shout out to my now 10th grade girls for being the first group to go at it. Um, they, they grew to the point where their life group had 40 girls in it. And um, they may, we don't call them small groups or anything, but still, that's a little bit too big. And so we divided their group because we had to make room for all of them and all of their friends. And so we divided them mid-year last year. Um, and also last year, we started experimenting with having two services on a Sunday night, just like we do on a Sunday morning, having a service at five and a service at seven, identical services um, <clears throat> that would give more opportunity, twice as many uh, seats available for students on a Sunday night and so we did that a few, a few times, and, and this year we're really moving forward on a lot of those things because we just, just this past Wednesday, um, divided three more of our girls' groups. Shout out to my 7th, 8th, and ninth grade girls. Yeah. All of them were well into the 30s uh, of people in their life group, and so we got a whole bunch of new life group leaders, and we uh, divided those life groups, and, um, and, and that is, again, to open space for them to open space for their friends and the people that will come after them, and uh, and something that we're going to do this year, and maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't, but from tonight until Epworth, so for the next nine Sundays, I believe we will be going to two services every single Sunday for the next nine Sundays, and so this is um, this is another big thing. This is a a, a big undertaking, and, um, <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's kind of trying out something new, but these things go hand in hand. If we have a bunch of people on a Sunday night, and we need to make space for them, and then we do two services, well, it, it kind of goes... Uh, And it makes sense that we have to divide life groups and give more opportunity. And as we have more people joining life groups, we have to give more opportunities for them to worship. And so they go hand in hand. And and so both are expanding and both we're doing new things um, to kind of accommodate and and be able to continue to do ministry um, with all of the students that are coming here. And the truth is, these are difficult transitions. It's hard to divide a life group. It's hard for me, it's hard for the leaders, it's hard for the new leaders coming in, and it's hard especially for the students. It's also hard to to have two services on a Sunday night. It's, it's, it just feels different, and, and things, it's just, it, it just, it's just hard. It's, it's not an easy transition, and that's why we need to talk about it. That's why we need our staff and our volunteers and our students and our parents and our families all on the same page, all moving in the same direction. So what we're going to look at um, tonight, as, as we kind of talk about that, is a, is, a, is a chapter out of the book of Numbers, which probably half of y'all have never even heard of the book of Numbers, because it's full of numbers. Like, it's just boring. It counts, like, how many sheep were in Israel, how many people were in each family, how many people, like, uh, went to temple on a, on, a, on a Saturday or whatever, and, like, like this, is, this is what is in it. It's, it's a bunch of statistics, and, and it's not necessarily the most, like, Fun, enjoyable reading. But we're going to look at something very important in it in Numbers. Chapter 32. And this applies to what we're talking about tonight. This applies to our ministry, but it also applies to your life. It applies to you if you're going to a new school. It applies to you if you feel like God's calling you to a new place. It applies to you if you feel like um, God's called you uh, to a new job or or called you to a new relationship or called you out of a relationship or called you to do something uh, about a, a temptation or a sin in your life. Like for all of us that are making some kind of transition or called into something new, this scripture is very important. So we're gonna go to Numbers chapter 32. We'll have it up on the screen, starting in verse one. And we're gonna look at it in the message translation because, again, the, num- the book of Numbers isn't the most understandable thing. So we're just gonna look at it in a-, in a version that's slightly more easy to understand. And I'm gonna say a bunch of random names, and you're not gonna know what they mean, but, uh, but I'll kind of explain. And let me just give you a little bit of background before we get to verse one. Here's what's going on. The people of God, the people of Israel... They 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 were uh, they escaped out of Egypt, and we all know about that, like the ten plagues and all that kind of stuff. Moses takes them out. They cross the Red Sea. They get the Ten Commandments. They go to the Promised Land. They get there. They send out scouts. The scouts come back, and they're like, we ain't doing this. We're scared. They're big. They're soldiers. There's these big cities. We can't do it. And God says, okay, you don't trust? Go wander around the desert. And so they just kind of procrastinate for 40 years, just walking around the desert, not being willing to take what God had already given them. And so 40 years later, they are about to enter into the land again. Moses is about to die. He's about to hand the reins off to Joshua. Um, Kind of his generation is gone, and they're going to take a second stab at this whole promised land thing. And so we're going to pick up in verse 1. They're about to cross the river into the promised land to do what God had set out for them. And it says this, the families of Reuben and Gad had huge herds of livestock. They had a bunch of animals. And they saw that the country of Jazer and Gilead was just the place for grazing livestock. They had livestock. It was just the place for grazing livestock. This is great. And so they came, the families of Gad and of Reuben, and they spoke, spoke to Moses and Eleazar, the priests and the leaders of the congregation, And then they mention a bunch of names of places I'm not going to try to pronounce. And then they say, this is the country that God laid low before the community of Israel. It is a country that is just right for livestock. And we have livestock. Here's here's first of all what we notice. They're focused on what they have. They got a lot of stuff, don't they? And we all know what happens when you have a lot of stuff. Your stuff controls you. Anybody that's like ever had to clean out their garage on a Saturday, anybody that's ever had to do a yard sale, anybody that's ever had to do an estate sale for like the The rich garage sales, like you know what it's like to try to get rid of all your stuff, or to try to move all your stuff. Like stuff can kind of control us, and like be like, oh my gosh, I got to move all these boxes. I got, I got to load up all this stuff. Why do I have all this stuff? This is what they're doing. They're like, we got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of animals, and so we got to do something with them. And they're focused on what they had, not on what they could have. See, as a ministry, we can have this temptation to focus on what we have. Hey, this is great. Got a packed room, got a bunch of big life groups. Let's just stay right here. We got to focus on what we have. We can't worry about what we don't have. We got to focus on what we have. We can get in this, in this mentality of just being worried about our stuff and what we have right now and our possessions. And we stop looking to the future. And so they say, well, we have this, this country that's just right. Well, in the NIV, it uses the word suitable. It says, this land is suitable for livestock. Well, how many people know suitable ain't a very strong word, is it? Suitable is kind of like, eh, you know, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. This, this area is pretty good for, for my goats and my sheep and my oxen. Like, this is, you know what? We can make this work. How many of you parents? walk into a house when you're about to spend the most money you've ever spent in your life and you say, huh, this is suitable. Let's put $400,000 on this. It's suitable. It'll do. Uh, not, not really. Not really. Imagine guys, uh, especially those of you who, uh, who are married, imagine you spend whatever, like two, three months uh, of salary on, a, on, a, on an engagement ring. You go to your girl. You make this whole big plan up. You're like, this is going to be amazing. And you take her to some cool spot, and, uh, and you get down on your knee, and you say, baby, will you marry me? And she said, huh, you're suitable. <laughs> you, might not, you might not be married. A lot of these kids might not be in here. You might be like, suitable, suitable all right, all right, I'll take my suitable, and I'll go find someone else to give this ring to, because you you don't really, you don't really want me. See, suitable's not a very strong word, is it? I know, I know you high schoolers that, that go to Fletcher, apparently, like, you're having homecoming on, like, the first day of school, right? Like, that's weird. Um, so, so they told you, like, on the first day of school, it's like, hey, homecoming's tomorrow, figure it out. So, um, so, uh, so imagine boys. You, you, you make a big card. I know y'all mostly do this for prom, but let's say you do like this whole deal, and you, you spell out your love for your girl on the beach, and you use seashells and all this stuff. You're like, well, you go to homecoming. You spell homecoming wrong. You're like, oh, well, you go to home. Oh, sorry, I spelled that wrong. And like, you you're like, you're, you like you, you you invite her, and you're like, yes, this is this is the moment. And she says, well, you're suitable. Here. I mean, no one else asked me yet. It was early in the school year. I haven't had too many invitations. So You know, you'll do. They go around telling all your friends, yeah, who are you going with? Well, you know, I'm going with Jason. He, uh, he, uh, he's all right. I mean, he ain't that great, but I mean, he asked and I felt bad for him. It's, he's suitable. He's suitable. Well, we all know suitable is not a very strong word, is it? It's not a very uh, uh, exciting word. And so this is what they say, like, this land is suitable. It's just right. It's okay for what we have. And then they continue. If you think we've done a good job so far, they sound like like a high schooler trying to get a raise at Publix. If you think we've done a good job so far, give us this country as our inheritance. Don't make us go across the Jordan. Don't make us go across the river. Don't make us go into the promised land. Now, we hear that, and we're like, hey, they just wanna stay home. They just wanna do what they're doing. But this is highly offensive to Moses. See, 500 years before, 500 years before, God came to Abram. He was then called Abram. He would become Father Abraham, and he said, I got a a plan for you. I'm gonna make you into a great nation, and I'm not just gonna have a bunch of people. I'm gonna give you a land. The land is Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. And he says, I'm gonna give you this land to your ancestors, or I'm sorry, to, to, your, to your descendants. And so there's this famous, famous story. And so they, 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 they are hoping for this land for generations. And then they go into slavery in Egypt, and, and then they, they've been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years, and finally they're released, and they get to the promised land, and then they mess up, and they start wandering around the desert, and they're finally back to where they should have been a long time ago. This is their moment. This is what they've been waiting for. For generations, this is what their ancestors were just praying and begging for. They were hoping they would see this day. And these guys have the nerve to say, don't make us go. Don't, don't, don't. It'd be like, parents, it'd be like you, you spend like two years of savings on this European vacation. And your kids are like, don't make us go. We just want to, uh, we just want to go to school. Just don't make us go on this vacation. And you'd be like, What? Don't make what this is. This is amazing. You should want to go. And so they say, don't don't make us. They don't don't make us go. They're bailing at the very last minute. And we hear this and we say, okay, it's two families. But just so you have a little bit more understanding, like this is two of the tribes of Israel. So this is a sixth of the entire nation. We're not talking about like fifteen people. We're not talking about like two little mom and dad and a a couple of kids. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that are saying we're not going to be a part of this. We are staying. Here and here was the deal. They wanted to be comfortable. They wanted what they wanted right then. They say, Don't make us cross into the Jordan. Here's the truth for us that we see here reaching God's plan for our lives usually requires us to be uncomfortable. Usually requires us to be uncomfortable. Taking a new job, it requires you to be uncomfortable. Moving your family requires you to be uncomfortable. Going to another new school requires you to be uncomfortable. Cutting a sin out of your life or something out of your life or a relationship out of your life requires you to be uncomfortable. A lot of these things require us to get uncomfortable. See, to reach the promised land, they had to get uncomfortable. They were just like, uh, you know, let's just stay here. It's okay. We just want what we want right now. Instant gratification. Let us just stay here. See, the the move that we're making in student ministries is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for life groups to divide and get a new leader and separate from friends and, 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 and to a certain degree lose out on one of their, one of their former leaders and, and get someone new. And they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't really know about this. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to do something different than you've done in the past. It's uncomfortable to have two services. You don't see all your friends there. It doesn't feel like as full. There's not as many people there. Can I tell you, as a leader, it's a lot more comfortable to preach to a room full of students than to divide them by two. That's just honest. Like, it's better for my ego. It makes me feel better. It's easier to preach to a lot of people than less. It's uncomfortable for everybody. It's uncomfortable for our life group leaders who have to divide from their co-leader. It's uncomfortable for our leaders that have to to take on a new leader. It's uncomfortable for really everyone. But but the only way we get to God's plan for us, the only way we reach more students and point more students to Jesus is to get a little bit uncomfortable. We've gotta be willing to say, you know, this is nice. What we've got here is nice, but there's something better for us. But we just got to get a little bit uncomfortable. And so this year, we're going to have to get uncomfortable. Those life groups that have divided have already gotten uncomfortable. Life groups that will divide in the the coming years are going to have to get uncomfortable. We're going to have to get used to to worshiping not next to the people that we always worship next to. We're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable. So Moses answers the families of Gad and Reuben. He says, do, hold on, hold on. Do you mean that you are going to leave the fighting that's ahead of you to your brothers while you settle down here? Oh, so we're going to go fight. And you're just going to sit in your living room. So that's how it's going to be. Why would you even think of letting the people of Israel down, demoralizing them just as they're about to move into the land God gave them? That's exactly what your ancestors did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to survey the country. They went as far as the Valley of Eshal, took one look, and quit. And they completely demoralized the people of Israel from entering the land God had given them. And God got angry. Oh, did he get angry? He swore they'll never get to see it. None of those who came up out of Egypt who are 20 years old or older will ever get to see the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They weren't interested in following me. Their hearts weren't in it. None except for the Caleb and Joshua. They followed me. Their hearts were in it. See, Caleb and Joshua were the only two scouts who came back and said, man, it's tough, but we can do it. And God honored their faith. He says, you're going to lead the people into the promised land. And so Moses is like, wait, wait. So we're going to go fight. We're going to go do this thing. Finally, after all these years, and you're just going to stay here. You're just going to be comfortable. You're going to let your families and other tribes die, and you're just going to, you're just going to stay here. And he says, do you understand what that's going to do to Everybody. Do you understand what that will do to the rest of the people? Here's what he's saying. When we settle for less, we discourage others from moving towards God's best. When we settle for less, we discourage others from moving from God, towards God's best. Here's how it works. I'm not really about that two-service thing. I'm just going to go when they go back to one service. And you discourage the next person moving towards God's best. I'm not going to go to life groups. I don't really like the way they, they split the groups. And eh, it's, just, it's just a little bit too much. I'm not even going to try it. And you discourage someone else from moving towards God's best. I'm not going to invite people because I, I don't really like kind of some of the changes. And so you discourage others from inviting their friends. And when we discourage other people, it brings the whole thing down. Brings the whole thing down. And Moses is like, guys, you can't do this. You don't understand what this is going to do to everybody else. If we need to move towards God, we got to do it together. We cannot discourage each other. And then he continues. He says God's anger smoked against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation that acted out evil in his sight had died. And now here you are, just one more mob of sinners stepping up to replace your ancestors, throwing fuel on an already blazing anger of God against Israel. If you won't follow him, he'll do it again. He'll dump them in the desert, and the disaster will be your fault. And they come close to him. They come close to Moses and they said, "Listen, listen, listen, Moses. All we want to do is build corrals for our livestock." and towns for our families. Then we'll take up arms and take the front lines, leading the people of Israel to their place. We'll be able to leave our families behind, secure and fortified towns, safe from those who live in the land. But we won't go back home until every Israelite is in full possession of his inheritance. We won't expect any inheritance west of the Jordan. We are claiming all our inheritance east of the Jordan. So they say, hey, we're gonna fight. And then we're just gonna go back. To where is suitable, where it's just okay. So here's what they're doing: they're saying, we will go fight. We will leave our families behind, we will sacrifice our lives and our time. And this wasn't like a two-day fight, like years. We will sacrifice years of our life for something we aren't even going to get. And we may say, Well, that sounds honorable. They're gonna fight for people and they're not even gonna get anything out of it. It's not honorable. They're bailing at the last minute on the rest of the people that they did this thing with for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They're just saying, ah, we don't want to be a part of it, and we're not, we're not going to go with you. They're discouraging people, they're separating, they're causing division, and they're going to fight for something they will never get. So again, this sounds honorable, but you know what they said? We have to build towns. You know how long that was going to take? Years. They were going to delay the rest of the people from going into the promised land so they could build up their little towns. And then they were going to live their little, leave their little boys and girls and their wives, and they were going to fight for years. And think about this. Some of them weren't coming home. Some of them weren't coming home. And for what? They weren't even going to move into the land. And they're sacrificing their lives for something they were not even going to be a part of, See, when we settle for less than God's best, it always costs us something, always. And we may say, well, it costs us too much to get what God wants us to get, and it'll cost us. But it costs us more to settle. It costs us more to settle for I'm just okay here with my relationship with God. It costs us more to settle. You know what? I'm just gonna leave that sin in my life. I'm comfortable with it. It costs us more to settle and say, I'm not gonna go where God's calling me. It's a little too scary. It costs us more to not be obedient than to be obedient. See, they would lose lives. They would lose time. They would lose momentum because they were not willing to go with the people of Israel. And so here's the whole bottom line. We can settle for what is good, or we can move forward to God's best. We could settle for what is good. United's great, you know? It's great to have full room. Life groups are great right now. Everything's good how it is. Let's not mess with it. And we could settle. or Or we can move forward to God's best. And if we trust God, and if we're willing to be uncomfortable for a season, we will see amazing things happen. We will see twice as many students come to know Jesus. We will see twice as many people be baptized. We will see twice as many people hear the gospel. We will change schools. We will change our neighbors' families. We will change students and their parents and their siblings. Many of you are in this room not because you brought your kids to church, because your kids brought you to church. And that's what's at stake. But if we don't trust God, if we just settle and we say, eh, things are fine here, yeah, let's just be comfortable. Students, if we say, I'm just going to, I, I want to do it the old way, we'll miss out on something. We'll miss out on something. I want to show you how this is true. When I, when, I was, uh, when I was 17, we were, our student ministry was like, it was different, I'll tell you that. There were like 30 kids in it. Most of us were church kids, so we were already Christians. We grew up in church. It was just like, you know, babysitting for the church kids. We didn't really affect anybody. We didn't really impact anybody. We kind of got together. Sometimes we played games. Sometimes we sang songs. Sometimes we sat in circles and did nothing. Like it was just, there wasn't a whole lot of purpose to it. And, uh, and, and in my senior year, we brought in a, a new student pastor who many of y'all know, Pastor Joby. And he came in and he said, uh, you know what, this is okay, but it's not really good enough. And so we changed some things. And his staff and his team, they changed some things. And they started worship. And they started a worship band, a student band. Do you see how freaking killer our student band is? They're amazing. They're incredible. But listen, we don't see that. We don't see that if 12 years ago they didn't grab a whole bunch of kids and say, we're going to figure this thing out and it's going to be a little bit, man, it was, it was rough. Ashley knows, my sister, she, she knows. It was rough for some years. They're standing up there like clapping off beat and all that kind of stuff, but they were building towards something. They were building towards something and they said, we're, we're not going to settle for, for what everybody wants, for what we've always done. We're going to do something new. And they spent money, and they invested time, and they built a room, and then they outgrew that room, and then they re-outfitted Block 84, which used to be a fellowship hall, which is like an old-school church word for where we eat cold meals and, like, do fundraisers and stuff. Like, Like, they took it from that to what it is now. They invested money and time in it. They, they, they sold the vision, and they brought new students in, and they, they brought staff members on, and they did a whole bunch of stuff, and they said, we're not going to settle for where we are. We're going to move forward to, to God's best. And so what, what we have here today is not something that our staff currently built. We came and we jumped onto a foundation that had already been laid by past leaders who said, we're not going to settle. We're not going to settle for suitable. We're going to do something more. We're going to reach out for something better. We have a mission to point students to Jesus. And 30 ain't enough. 40 ain't enough. 60 ain't enough. 100 ain't enough. 150 ain't enough. And right now, today, I'm saying 200 ain't enough. All right? 200 students, it ain't enough because there's a whole bunch more students at the beach that don't know Jesus. There's a whole bunch of people walking in darkness that don't know Jesus. There's a whole bunch of families that are feeling like, I don't know what to do. And that's what's at stake if we settle. So if we settle for where we're at, or if we move that direction, which we are, and we complain about it, Ah, oh, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Behind closed doors, hey, you know, I'm not really sure about that whole deal. Or we doubt. Or we go somewhere else. Or we pull away. Hey, I'll come back later. Let me, let me, let me wait till they, they stop doing the stuff I don't like. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to discourage other people and we're going to miss the move of God. And here's the thing. God doesn't really need us to do it. Guess what will happen? He'll look and he'll say, okay, they don't want to do it. And he'll go find out someone else who will. And we get to be a part of God's plan. We get the privilege to be a part of God's plan. And if we settle, we are risking the future. We're risking the future of families that aren't even living in this community yet. We're risking the future of little kids in elementary school that aren't even in middle school and high school yet. We're risking the future of a lot of your little siblings that aren't in student ministry yet. We are risking the future of friends you don't know about yet, neighbors you don't know about yet, people that you've been praying for for years. We are risking their future if we settle right now. But what we can do is we can buy in as a family. We can buy in as a community. We can buy in with our students and our parents and our siblings, and our life group leaders, and our staff members, and our church as a whole, we can buy in and we can say, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes to point students to Jesus. And it may be uncomfortable, but we're not going to settle for suitable. We're not going to look around and say, hey, what we got is enough, and just say, okay, we're done. We're going to move forward into what God has For us, And that's been going on in this student ministry and in this church for years, for decades, and it's going to continue on into the future. We are excited and we are dedicated to pointing people to Jesus, no matter what it takes. A couple years later, after this story, Moses dies. Joshua finally leads the people, even though those people, the, the, the two families delayed him for a while. He finally leads them across the river. They walk in. They see Jericho. And they see this massive wall. And they say, oh, we can't do it. Oh, I'm not sure. And the doubts start creeping up. And they start thinking, maybe it was better back there. The truth was, it wasn't. God had far more for them in this land. But they started having those old doubts creeping up. And there's a song we sing all the time called Do It Again. And Do It Again is written about the people of Israel walking up to Jericho. And God says, You start walking around the walls, and I'm going to make the walls fall down. And they're like, Huh? Like, we're just going to walk? And He's like, Yeah. And so they walk for six straight days. The last day, they walk seven times around the city of Jericho. And they cause this this massive shout. But right before they see the walls fall down, imagine what people were thinking. How many times are we going to walk around these walls? And the, the lyrics to do it again say, Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. I'm walking around this temptation. I'm walking around this problem. I'm walking around this relationship. I'm walking around this community. I'm walking around this friend. And and I thought by now something would happen. I thought by now God would do something. And I just don't see it yet. And God says, just keep trusting. Just keep walking. Just keep taking a step of faith after a step of faith. Over and over and over again. He says, I'm going to do something amazing. And if we right now will just keep walking. We'll keep trusting. God is going to do it again. He's going to cause strongholds to fall again. He's going to bring people back to the family again. He's going to bring people who don't know him to the family of God again. He's going to break addictions again. He's going to defeat violence again. He's going to take down tears and he's going to take down sadness and anguish and anger Again, he's going to reunite families. Again, he's going to do it again and again and again and again. So let's stand together. Let's stand together, and we are going to sing this song with faith. We are going to sing this song saying, as a ministry, as a church, we're going to keep on moving to what is uncomfortable. We're going to move into what is uncomfortable because we know that that is where God's best is. So let's sing this song together.